following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, and it's on page 1139 of the Bible. So it's Romans 12, verses 1 to 13. A living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, without your help, we are not able to either speak or to hear your word. We pray, Lord, that you will guide us, that you will bless us, you will encourage us, and uh, fill us with your spirit, that we might be enabled to present ourselves to you, to serve you, and to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well... Uh, It's 25 years since Amigos started, and we're going to be hearing a little bit about it later on from Judy. 
Uh, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it now in the sermon, but I wanted to focus just at this moment on the Bible and to show that there are lots of strong biblical reasons for what happens at Amigos week by week. Um, Peter was saying a little bit about how long it had been going and, and how uh, often it met every week up in the upstairs hall um, and so on. But uh, it just it's, it does need to know, people do need to know kind of what is behind it and what is the basis of it. For many years, the publicity for Amigos, telling people what it was and what it was for, said it's a meeting place for international students, scholars, and friends. Sometimes it mentions families, because sometimes there were people came along with the kids and so on. Um, uh, uh, usually, if it's going from 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock, that, uh, that didn't last for too long. But uh, we do get families along, and we wanted to make sure that uh, people felt welcome. In fact, we tried not to draw too many lines about who could come and who couldn't, because that wasn't really what it was about. But the aim is especially to welcome people who are in Durham, for the first time, and maybe from a country where the culture was very different, coming to UK can be very stressful for some people, especially if English is a person's second language, and you're suddenly landed in lectures with people with accents and ways of teaching. Sometimes the style of education, methods of teaching and study are different from what people are used to. And that can create a lot of stress and anxiety. People could feel lost and alone and far away from family and loved ones. Now, with phones and Skype and all that sort of thing, those kinds of barriers about people being far away are not quite so bad as they used to be. But it's still, it's a real sense of separation. So why do we do it? Well, perhaps you could ask Judy or... Esther or Gerald and Bridget or Dorothy or others who have been involved. Sometimes we've been asked by international students why we do it. But if you ask me, I will probably want to tell you a story. A story of God and God's relationships with people through history and through the world. The story that the Bible tells. So if you haven't got much time, I should ask one of the others. Uh, but the Bible is an incurably international book. It deals with the world. It deals with the peoples of the world. It tells the story of God and God's relations with the people of the world. It doesn't gloss over the fact that relationships have been broken. People have lived lives that have left God out of account and there is much that is damaged and broken. People are out of kilter with the world and with each other and with God. One word for that is alienation. People are strangers to one another and to God. But the good news is that God has not left people like that. God wants to draw people back. That's the message of the Bible. So that strangers become friends and the Bible rings with the message that God has compassion on people and has gone to enormous lengths to bring people back into God's family. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son. Someone once wrote a study of the Gospel of Luke, which is called The Hospitality of God. It emphasizes that lots of the stories that Jesus told include feasts and parties, and many things happen as Jesus is eating in someone's house. Twice, Jesus provides a feast in the wilderness for hungry crowds. Some of the profoundest moments in Luke's gospel happen when people are sitting at table together eating. A strong theme of that book is that Jesus, in his ministry, as recorded by Luke, is inviting people home to be in relationship with God and to participate in that great symbolic feast of joy and acceptance when people who are far away return to God knowing that they are loved and accepted. That is God's hospitality. Now when Paul writes to the Roman Christians, which is the reading that we had today, about this plan of God, he writes in rather a different style from Luke about what God has done. He describes it as God's mercy shown to people. Eleven long detailed chapters of dense but profound and passionate reasoning about how God saves and reconciles. And at the end of it, he says, in effect, God is amazing. So how should we respond? And our reading begins to give the answer to that. Because of God's mercies to you, present your whole self to God. He actually says, present your body as a living sacrifice, which is quite a striking picture. But then he goes on to describe how we can live as people, as part of God's family. The rest of the chapter deals a bit with how we offer ourselves, what we do, how, how, how we live our lives in a way that offers ourselves to God. And the key to it all is love. And that's the point that uh, was, was made in um, verse 9. Love must be sincere. As God has loved us and shown us his mercy... So we are called to love each other. Now in Romans, 9, Romans 12, 9 to 13, which we read today, it begins, love uh, must be sincere. And I've often been struck by what seems to be a lot of very good but rather general instruction. It says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And that's all good, good stuff, but still rather general. Be devoted in love. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord, be joyful, patient, faithful in prayer. But it's right at the very end of that section that it suddenly gets very direct and very specific. Share with God's people in need and practice hospitality. In the middle of all these general principles about good and evil and joy and so on, share with the needs, share with God's people in need and practice hospitality. If you want to show your love, Paul says, practice hospitality. If God is a hospitable God, God's people should be hospitable too. Now, some people may uh, think at this moment, this is not for me. I haven't got a home that's suitable. I'm on my own. I'm not a fancy cook, etc., etc. People have... Uh, kind of ideas and worries about that but that don't worry 
Don't worry about that. It's not all about that kind of thing. Let's look at that word hospitality for a moment. In the New Testament, the word translated, often translated hospitality in our Bibles is the Greek word philoxenia. Favorite word of mine, which is made up of two words, one meaning love and the other meaning stranger. So it's to do with the loving of strangers. Now it's easy to love our friends and relatives. I might just pause there. I don't know. It's not everybody. <laughs> it, but it's sometimes that people we know and people we get on with is easy to get on with, put it, put, it, put it that way. But a stranger is more mysterious. And connecting with a stranger, all of us can move outside of our comfort zone. It's not always easy just to know how to react, how to interact, and so on. There is so much that we don't know. We don't want to offend. We don't understand what a person is thinking and so on. But there are several places in the New Testament letters where Christians are specifically urged to be hospitable, to love strangers. And this comes a lot in other parts of the Bible as well. But we're going to focus on the New Testament because we can't do everything in this. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Keep on loving each other's loving each other as brothers and sisters and don't forget to entertain strangers the way it puts it in greek is something like love of your brothers and sisters that's one word philadelphia love of your brothers and sisters continue love of strangers philoxenia don't forget so it's really quite strong there in 1 peter chapter 4 verse 9 peter says our Philoxenia, our love of strangers, is to be without grumbling. Very realistic, very wise. Maybe people that he was writing to felt a bit under pressure and they felt they were, and they were apt to complain and maybe felt taken advantage of by the, uh, the demands that were made upon them. But there too, in, like in Romans, it is, ex, it is to be an expression of love for the stranger, for Jesus' sake. And people urges, uh, Peter urges people to use whatever gifts that we have to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And he talks about what, well, sometimes somebody has called it the many-colored grace of God expressed in many beautiful kinds of service. And that, by the way, is why Amigos always needs to be a team effort. It needs different people with different skills to make things happen, to relate to different personalities, to organize, to listen. Welcoming the stranger, the international visitor to the church, is not just Zoe's job. It is for all of us. There are different ways that people have, uh, there are different ways that people have thought of hospitality over the centuries. And so we're just going to think a bit about that. In the past, it was to do with providing a safe place for travelers. When there, was no, there were no hotels and no security services and travel could be slow and risky. It started in people's homes. And there are amazing stories in the Old Testament of, which are well worth reading about how people like Abraham 
were visited by strangers and people like Abraham welcomed them and fed them and put them up for the night and he was enormously blessed by them. Now later, hospitality came to be seen as something that was routinely offered by institutions like monasteries and that's why we have words like hostel and hospital which have to do with hospitality. Now, if you talk about hospitality, look it up on the internet, it, has, it includes ideas of management, customer satisfaction, food safety, and Wi-Fi in every room. But the basic meaning from the Bible is to do with our attitudes to people that we don't know or who are different from us. Are we prepared to love or are we going to be paralyzed by fear? We, of course, have the English word about fear of strangers, which is based on the same word, xenophobia. Now, we're going to focus on philoxenia, which is, well, loving, loving strangers. Um, so, yeah, if are we prepared to love or are we paralyzed by fear? That's the question. The Dutch writer Henry Nouwen has a lovely book called Reaching Out, whose central section is entitled Reaching Out to Our Fellow Human Beings. He talks about the spiritual movement of growth, if you like, from hostility to hospitality in dealing with other people. And he says this, Hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space in which change can take place. So it doesn't need a private house. It doesn't need a big spread on the table necessarily. When it, it can happen when somebody comes along to coffee lounge. It can happen when somebody walks into the church and there's somebody waiting here just to make sure that the church is a safe space for them to be. It can happen when people walk into Amigos on a Wednesday evening and just find that somebody is there for them and to listen to them, to talk, and to be with them. And when that happens, then it can become a, a time when a stranger can become a friend. There's a, a lady called Dr. Christine Pohl who did some detailed research into the history of hospitality as a Christian tradition. She called it, the title of the book is Making Room. And that seems to me an excellent title for what is happening, what, what we are called to do. We're called to make room for people. And that gives an un, another angle on what Amigos is about. It's not necessarily about meals with friends, although that's good. Sometimes Amigos provides food. Sometimes it's just a place to come and chat and meet people and maybe have a cup of tea. And there are enormous, different, enormous varieties of tea to try, actually, if uh, people come to Amigos. And when you say we, when I talk about food, of course, there are, there are opportunities of food. On Burns Night, we've had haggis. Uh, other times, we've had pizza in. Uh, sometimes we've had somebody coming along and making, making special um, East Asian dumplings and things like that. So there have been all sorts of different varieties of stuff that's happened. Uh, sometimes a focus on fair trade stuff uh, to, to open up the idea of, uh, of, of, of yeah, what do we mean by justice and uh, in fair trade and so on. 
Sometimes there's a party atmosphere. Sometimes there's a very serious conversation about a personal problem. Sometimes taking people out to Cragside, Holy Island, maybe for a walk by the river. Or just sometimes an explanation, a conversation which about, about why we go to church. Occasionally people have been taken out of Taken, uh, have been invited to leave the upstairs hall to come down and across here and up to the bell tower to listen to the bells and to have a go at ringing the bells. Uh, and that's been something that's been happening regularly over the last few years, and people have enjoyed that too. I've had conversations at Amigos about the value of manure on the allotment, uh, the loneliness of an international student who's in college but finds after a while that everyone else seems to have a friendship group but they can't seem to find a friend. Many people who come to Amigos have not had a church connection in the past and for some it's been their first time to meet Christians in an informal, uh, in an informal way. Some have tried a basic Bible study course or an alpha course. Some have started coming to church. Some have been baptized here in the chapel. The Amigos team wants to be there for people, for all international students and scholars, making room for people to be safe, to listen, to connect. Remembering that there are thousands of international students in Durham even today and that God's concern is not just for one group, for one church, or for one nation, but it is for the people of every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. There's an amazing vision in the book of Revelation of, uh, of that kind of multinational group coming together to worship God. And I'd like to pray that... The, in these, uh, the, these 25 years represent just the beginning of St. Nick's demonstrating God's hospitality, God's love to people of every nation. And if you want to pray for Amigos, there's a board over there that you can write and uh, write something to pray for, write for the, to pray for the people, to pray for the people involved, people who come, the people who are on the team and uh, and. and not just to put it on the board, but to go away and continue to pray for what's going on. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.